just take that. <laughs> yeah. Hello, and welcome to two people acting like morons for your entertainment. That hello is like spot on with like the uh, the previous one. <laughs> Thanks. I think it's also my voicemail hello. Right. Mm. Yeah, so hello and welcome to a gaming broadcast episode one, because last time was episode zero, because... <laughs> because uh, it was the first one, so we gotta start start at nothing. Um, I'm Jamie Dale, the gaming broad from gamingbroadly.com. And uh, I'm Kyle of not those things. <laughs> You're of kylearmstrong.com. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just add a .com to the end of my name, and you'll make it. Uh, yeah, it feels really weird whenever I email you because your email address is me at kylearmstrong.com. Um, right. So it feels like I'm emailing myself. Yeah. Well, it made more sense for like when I was talking to people because it'd be like, oh, you can email me at kylearmstrong.com. By the way, I'm sorry if you get stalked. <laughs> if it gets stalked. Due to this, because we're just like saying your email address. Oh, well, we'll just have a bleeping sound. <laughs> We should also just give your address. Yeah, right. And your phone number. Yeah. And here's my social security <laughs> number. Yeah, stalking. Always fun. Um, that's a joke. That's not real. Don't ever stalk anyone. Although stockings are great. Like Christmas stockings? Yeah. I don't get to use those as much anymore because I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish You've now. made a huge mistake. <laughs> you should have... Weighed that in there when you made that decision. Sorry, my mom still does Christmas stockings. She just fills it with Jewish stuff now. <laughs> yeah. So, Kyle, I, I know I, I have a a bug in my brain about talking about the relationship between fandoms and religion today due to some fabulous stories I have to share with you. But yeah. before that, I want to hear about what you've been playing because we talk about games here, so... Oh, right. Yeah, that's a thing we talk about. <laughs> not your email address. Yeah. This is not a podcast sure? about how to contact Kyle Armstrong. It's not the, the me at kylearmstrong.com podcast. <laughs> um, man, what are we playing? Um, me and my brother and my buddy Tyson, we, we just started up a uh, YouTube channel like like everybody does today. Um, We're real cool. We and, got a podcast. We've got a YouTube. Yeah. We got a Twitter. Mm-hmm. You name it, we got it. <laughs> we have real jobs. Um, yeah. Swear. yeah. So the YouTube channel. I think I saw the image. Is that the one that you modded? Yes, that's one of them. Okay. Um, we're playing Avernum. It's like an isometric RPG where you like you get to make your own party. But for this series, I modified the game and change the portraits. So I put Kurt and Tyson's pictures in it so they can uh, feel more closely tied to their characters. <laughs> so if they die, they really feel like they're dying. You're a good friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want- also has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it and Kurt's cat, uh, Kevin. Oh, I love Kevin. He's a good cat. I don't even like cats. Ooh, yeah. sorry. We've just lost like 10 followers. So just, I know. Cats are great. You got them back. There we go. <laughs> you did it. You're welcome. Cat people are so easy to please. So why did you start this YouTube channel? I've not got to ask you this question. We uh, we were inspired by watching a couple of, of Let's Play videos. Um, and that's something new as well. Like the idea of like watching somebody. I mean, because as a kid, 
I mean, between Kurt and I, we would watch each other play. So that was pretty common. But to watch a stranger play was weird. Um, and, and we saw these people, uh, some of them, it, it became like their full-time job. And it was like, man, that would be cool if we could do that. So that's kind of what it is. And it, it, it's, it also stems out of, because uh, we used to play Team Fortress 2 a lot. And it, we, we called it band meeting. Uh, because all of us used to be in a band and so we would make an excuse that this was a band meeting to like hang out and play games and then would just never talk about uh, the band stuff so now it's evolved into us playing games recording them and letting people see the dumb things that we do that's exciting so this idea of like watching people play video games it's not something i've really picked up on but recently i've started watching counter-strike um oh yeah competitions (laughs) Which is, Which is really weird. Like every time you, you tell me about it, I was like, "Really? You're watching Counter Strike?" I know it's not it's not a thing that I think many people would associate with my personality or my interests, yeah, um, or skill level, <laughs> like any of those things. But my room- there's no ponies. There's no swords. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. There's zero color pink. Right. Um, yeah. No dragons. It's it's upsetting. Yeah, but I've really grown to enjoy them. I've I found them very, I think, soothing would be the word I would use. My roommate got me into them. She watches people playing games all the time. I would say it's probably one of her primary forms of entertainment next to, like, K-pop bands. In grad school, we read some stuff, this idea of this pure observer. And it was kind of, like, laughed at as a concept because they're like, oh, no one is a pure observer. Um, but I think my roommate is probably pretty close to it. So I've always wanted to talk to her. One of these days I should bring her on this podcast and we should talk about why she watches games but what doesn't play them. Um, I think she's much more content to like sit and watch us play games. Um, particularly sit and watch us play games and spoil all of the game for you. That's still my favorite memory of her spoiling Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> I mean, it's it's more for you uh, that you know spoiling because you didn't play bioshock one and then like telling you all the important details of it it's like that's the thing you learned at the end of the game and like that's important it's like ugh, that's all right it's ruined it's not ruined i don't i'm not as affected by spoilers as i as i think you maybe are i I think you you uh really like the surprise in a way that i don't is not as important (laughs) to me emotionally okay i don't know i like surprises I think. I really haven't been playing too much, mostly because I've been so overwhelmed with with work and doing what I'm doing at work. Um, but I, I have been kind of de-stressing with Animal Crossing, A New Leaf. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, and continuing my, my theme of talking about games that are like many years past their prime. <laughs> yeah. Animal Crossing is one of them. Um, it would have been great if I played it around the same time that everyone else had towns that I could go visit. So I've been playing a lot of that. They've recently added a lot of things to it that are very much so playing into Nintendo's current push for um, the external... The toy peripheral. Yeah, which to be honest with you, I'm definitely one of those people that loves toy peripherals. And if I wasn't trying to not spend all of my money on tiny plastic objects that sit on shelves um i would Mm be a hundred percent into buying all of the amiibos just to play around with them 
I think there's this weird new thing um, with a genie. You get, like, a genie thing. And you can actually possess the body of, like, amiibo people. That's how they describe it. Like, you possess briefly the bodies of people that you plug in via amiibo. Oh, weird. How bizarre. Yeah. It's kind of creepy, but in, like, that really cheerful way that only Animal Crossing can do, where it's, like, you insult someone's clothes, and they're like, it's so nice of you to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or some weird, weird thing like that. Um, yeah, Animal Crossing. Super, super cheerful. Um, I can't keep my attention focused on it for too long, though. It's not puzzly enough. It's no Sailor Moon drops. <laughs> yeah. Have you, uh, how far are you in, in Sailor Moon Drops? Oh, man, I got, I went hard, I went hard in the paint for, mm-hmm. for a couple days, um, but then I stopped because I realized that I needed to, um, get, you, you really have to get some of those objects to get past some of those levels. Yep. They're real hard, but I do like the fact that you can get those objects through earning trophies versus, like, just buying them. It's, like, very slow and obnoxious, but, um, it is, but I am a fan of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like... I have my... My Sailor Mars is level five. Oh, damn. Like, you're not even a huge fan of Sailor Moon. And Mm-mm. you've already progressed much farther than me. <laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, speaking of fans, um, I want to tell you this story. And it was one of those stories that it happens in the moment and then you're like, oh, that's funny. But then a week goes by and you're still kind of thinking about it. And you're like, this was a meaningful statement made from the mouths of children. So a couple weeks ago in my Girls Who Code Club, which Girls Who Code is this wonderful after school curriculum that's geared towards teaching middle school to high school age girls about coding. And it's, it's super fun. They're all super different and wonderful. And one of the huge main parts of the the curriculum is doing something called a computer science impact project, which is getting the girls to think about how they can use computer science to improve an issue in their community. Um, which is fun because then you have to have conversations with them about like, well, what is a community? Like, what is an issue? <laughs> and yeah. then more than that, they actually have to identify a community that they share. But in the conversation we were having about community... They, we settled on three that they all had in common. One was um, they're all Jewish. This is from, I run it out of a, a Jewish temple. It's, it's The subtext is Jewish girls who code. Um, so they <laughs> that one was an easy one for them to all claim. The other one was they were all students to some extent. One of them is homeschooled, so we had some like disagreement about whether they qualified all as students because they didn't feel that homeschool meant you were a student. So we, we settled on community of learners, <laughs> which is, wow, I know, as vague as you can possibly get. Yeah. And then... How very academic. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one was fandoms. Like, they're all in fandoms of some kind, uh, which is pretty cool to be to be around middle school girls who are fans of things. If you've never seen true, you've never seen true excitement till you see sixth grade girls talk about their, their fanships. <laughs> right. It, it's pretty much the best. Um, so we were discussing that. And then the challenge that I, I presented to them was to think about how all these communities are actually very similar. Like we're thinking about them as three separate communities. I was like, but is there a way to think about them less as these 
clearly separated communities that don't mix and think about how they're they're related and that was a really fun question for a lot of reasons um the most easiest answer is like jews they're the people of the book they're always supposed to be learning so of course like the jewish community and the community of learners fit very well together and then one of my students was like yeah and i mean jews are basically uh, a fandom for moses which was (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) yeah and that was like a great comment like i laughed so much at that because she's not She's not wrong, which is, I think, is exactly what I told her, which is a weird compliment to give to yeah. students. Like, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, and I just, I've been reflecting on that a lot in the past couple of weeks, especially as larger, broader conversations in the United States, and I think probably the world also, but in the United States, about basically living in an interfaith country and what that means, right, to, like, be in different faiths and live in the same place. Um, and we're not always, it's seemingly like understanding each other very well, which went along really well with the issue that they saw, my girls saw with fandoms, which was that people in different fandoms are super mean to each other. This, and this was a problem that they decided was not very good. Um, they're like, right. yeah, like fandoms are mean to each other. Like they have this whole thing where if you're in one fandom, that means that that fandom is better than all the other fandoms. And then they're like, go out of their way to be mean to other fandoms. Um, and then when they compared fandoms to religion, I was just like, mind blown. <laughs> yeah. This is so relevant. It's like being part of a group um, causes some stress in terms of like also being chill about other groups. I don't know. Yeah. It was pretty fun. So it got me thinking too about if I considered myself part of any fandoms. And I, I think I've always struggled with this answer because I love fandoms and I've studied fans. Um, that sounds really clinical. But like I've I've had conversations with fans and wrote about it often. And I love the effort and the passion and like the work that people put into being a fan. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if if i'm a if i would consider myself a fan of anything so i was going to ask you one if you thought i was a fan like if i would be considered part of a fandom and then what that meant exactly you being a part of a fandom i mean i would say legend of zelda is something that you're definitely a fan of cuz it's like when i think about it it's like your purpose in buying a nintendo every time you get a nintendo <laughs> is because there will be a zelda that comes out <laughs> on that console the wii u let me down the wii, wii u. u has has let you down <laughs> uh well you have the um the dynasty, the dynasty warriors, warriors one zelda mod yeah <laughs> uh, that's true that's true that is a fun game but yeah i mean like that's your reason for for buying systems for buying nintendo systems is to get a zelda game um, and then sometimes a Zelda themed version of that system, uh, if one comes out, you will trade in your system for one that has a Triforce on it when you could just get a sticker and put a Triforce <laughs> on it. But no, you have to have like the official licensed Zelda version. It's not, it, they got this gold, man. Uh-huh. It's a very specific. There's, um, spray paint for that. <laughs> Do you spray paint your electronics? Uh, I would if I wanted things to be gold, I guess. <laughs> okay, so you're defining fame in the sense, and like I will drop, I will drop some some bills 
Yeah. For some some product. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then you, you mean there's a, you wrote that paper. <laughs> oh God. Uh, in yeah. your. <laughs> I did. In your master's program <laughs> about it. I like this so, paper. I like that uh, you're defining it as like, oh, you wrote this thing. It was like 50 pages just, of anxiety. Just this little thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It was about Legend of Zelda. Ocarina of yeah. Time. Okay. All right. So in terms of, so then you're saying it's like money I've spent and also the amount of time I've spent thinking <laughs> Yeah. about it. It's like, it's, um, I think, uh, when, when you first presented this, this topic to me, uh, about like the connection between like fandoms and religion um the word that came to mind was devotion oh uh and i i think that is kind of what ties them together um i mean devotion is a pretty deep word um right in terms of like thinking about the connection but you're right like there's this idea of being devoted to something and i think that's a good word because it's vague because there's lots of ways to be devoted to something. Right. There is no predetermined way, but yeah, it is like your expression towards this group or thing. Yeah. I always felt like I wasn't, and this is maybe related to, to feelings on religion, but like, I always felt like I wasn't enough of a fan. <laughs> Cause like I never wrote like fan, fiction. religious fan fiction. <laughs> I never shipped Moses and Abraham. Um, yeah ultimate ship uh yeah. yeah no i've never i've never written fan fiction i've never like i'm not artistically inclined so i've never like drawn fan art like at most i've reblogged things that i liked that other people made on tumblr but i feel like there's yeah. something really inherent in being a fan about creating original content surrounding not <laughs> original content mm-hmm. if that makes any sense but i I'm thinking maybe you're right that maybe I've had too narrow a view of, of what it means to be a fan. I mean, do you consider yourself a fan of anything? Like, are you part of a, a fandom community? Right, and, and that's uh, the other thing I've been thinking about this week is, like, I've never really considered myself a diehard, like, this is incredible, this is awesome kind of a thing. Until I thought about, because uh, I listened to most of the McElroy Brothers entertainment. Anything that Griffin McElroy does, I, I probably listened to it or have seen it. Because I, I woke up this morning um, at 9.30 to get onto this website because they're, they're coming to Austin. Well, I mean, I guess Griffin lives here in Austin, so like he's already here. But I've got um, stories. Well, later, whatever. <laughs> Um, Speaking of stalking. Yeah. Um, they they have uh, two performances. They have their advice podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and then um, their, their Dungeons and Dragons podcast that they do, um, The Adventure Zone. And uh, so I woke up early to get in uh, a digital queue to be able to buy a ticket to, to see them. <gasps> That's so exciting. Did you get it? I did. Yeah, I, I got Mazel the... Tov. I got the last two tickets for um, the Adventure Zone. Um, I was I was trying to get three so uh, me and Kurt and Rosie could go, but now I guess it's just me and Kurt. So, oh, Rosie, Rosie yeah. is Kurt's uh, wife. For yes, all of those who are wondering why she's getting the short end of the stick, um, 
Yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations. So, in yeah. that sense, like, you became a fan because you, like, altered your sleeping schedule in order... Like, to make this thing happen that I yeah. wanted to do. I guess it's, like, yeah. the pro of seeing them was worth more than the inconvenience of waking up early. Right. Which is not yeah. the case for everything. There are yeah, many things exactly. I don't I don't inconvenience myself for. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Looking forward to it. If Kurt gets sick mysteriously from an illness that I I don't cause, <laughs> yeah. uh, take me with you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is going to be used in a court of law one day. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kurt, stay alive. Stay alive, Kurt. It's very important. Yeah, okay, so this is good. So, I mean, so fandoms right now are operating. Do you consider yourself part of a community, though? This is the other part, is, like, they really consider themselves part of a, a community of fans versus just, like, operating in isolation. And I think for the most part, it's because I don't create things necessarily, other than my thesis, which I guess is a big thing to create, but I... I haven't felt like I was part of a community of fans surrounding like Legend of Zelda. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I'm because I'm a part of like the Facebook group, which is like a dumb, silly thing to be like. Oh yeah, I'm a part of this group on Facebook. Oh, or that's adorable. Oh um, my god, you're on a Facebook group that are fans of Griffin McElroy. Uh. Well, I mean, more than just Griffin. I mean, it's the McElroy brothers. Um, and all the stuff that they do. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> um, but if if you do, you remember um, <laughs> the the story about over Christmas when I I ate that uh, dog cookie? Oh yes, I thought it was a, a, a people cookie. Um, yes, it, it was interesting because uh, a week previous to that, they they had a question about that on their show, and I was like man, I've, I've got to let people know that I've done this. So that's like the first place that I went is like to this group to like let people know this story that like this happened to me. Because it's like, this is like the one place where it's like people will understand. So you, like, you basically on. were confirming their, their profit status. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the McElroy profits. Yeah. Oh man, brilliant. Yeah. And then like, did people respond? Are they like, oh my God. Uh, overwhelmingly, um, oh. I got like 400 likes on it and Whoa. like 40, 50 comments. So yeah. How it, many Facebook was... friends do you have? Did you get more likes than Facebook friends? Um, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's pretty close. Uh, it would be a pretty overwhelming number of my Facebook friends uh, <laughs> at that point. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, man, fandoms are tricky. Maybe that's the other reason I haven't ever felt like a real fan is, and I think much like how I feel about religion, it's hard to exist in isolation and feel authentic about it. Sure. And I, like, I think that you being part of a Facebook group is like community enough for me. Mm -hmm. There's in your mind, there's a group of people out there who, like, get you. That sounds weird, but like understand a specific nuanced reference to something that's meaningful to you yeah and i think um, i haven't found that as much with legend of zelda so i think one of the one of the reasons that like i've always struggled and the same thing with like sailor moon which is another one that i would say i'm like uh 
kind of a fan of. Not as much as Legend of Zelda, but, like, I love Sailor Moon. Like, I love the aesthetic. I love the idea of magical girls. Um, it's very pink. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, but I've never been... Like, I even went and saw Sailor Moon R, the theater release, just recently. Did I tell you this? Uh, I, I saw, yeah, I posted <laughs> about it. I think you told me about it, yeah. So, um, they released Sailor Moon R in, in theaters um, not too long ago. I think it was a couple months ago in Austin. Mm-hmm. And this is like a 1993, it's like the end of the Sailor Moon R um, series. It's like a movie, like an hour, hour and 15 minute long movie. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which was pretty fun to see Sailor Moon. Is Sailor Moon R kind of like Dragon Ball Z? Is that the kind of the same kind of thing? <laughs> so maybe uh, the my complete lack of knowledge about Dragon Ball is is which is like pitiful because it came on right before Sailor Moon. Do do they <laughs> like spend an entire season in R buffing up to do one battle that takes four episodes? Not necessarily, but they do spend an entire season waiting to see when Tuxedo Mask will be useful. Well, that's like every season, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. He was. So the best part about the Sailor Moon R um, was that at the beginning it had this interview, I think, with the voice actors, like the English voice actors. And they said, like, what's your favorite part of this movie? And the one of the guys is like, Tuxedo Mask is useful. Like, you'll actually see a rose throw that's effective. Um, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, the highlight. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why it was in theaters. Like, it was a great release. I loved it. I was super excited. I took a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, but I, even though I went to that and I, like, posted it on social media, um, I, I definitely didn't have, like, a community to go back to with that like excitement other than my roommate who was like that's cool um, right okay yeah <laughs> it wasn't quite the enthusiasm i was looking for and I, I think i had that same issue or i have that same issue with legend of zelda is that i really really love it um and there's a huge active i mean sailor moon has an active fandom online and so does legend of zelda like i think legend of zelda probably has like one of the larger ones just because it's been one of the top rated games for so long yeah um but i I tend to like ghost ghost this wait no that's the wrong it's lurking it's lurking (laughs) ghosting is ghosting is the opposite Uh (laughs) that could be why i don't have any communities as i keep ghosting i don't know (laughs) if lurking is the opposite of ghosting it's like well it's a similar amount of silence um but one is like silence because i'm not there yeah versus silence because i'm awkward right or don't don't want to speak (laughs) but uh i mean i even like i even went to like the legend of zelda symphony twice like the same one one of them was with you yeah (laughs) there's zero difference in the symphonies between cities by the way Uh (laughs) they're the exact same and i enjoyed it almost more the second time you weren't surprised the second time you saw miyamoto (laughs) on screen thank you everyone for attending I never expected him to thank me. He never makes an appearance. He's thanking all of us. Just us. He Skyped in to our theater. It wasn't us. It was me. He was thanking. He was, he was thanking his loyal fan. Yeah. 
for coming twice. Uh-huh. Um, one was in New Orleans, so that was cool. And then one was in Austin, which was you. And I wore my Sailor, not Sailor Moon stuff, my Legend of Zelda stuff. <laughs> Everyone was real confused. <laughs> no wonder I don't have any fandoms. I can't keep them straight. Do you, because uh, like the, the Legend of Zelda fandom is like so large. Do you ever think about like all the different like sects? Oh. It's it's hard to say it's, that on a podcast. It's hard sounding. to say that on a podcast. S e c t s sex. Um, I I have because I I do find that people are pretty divided on Legend of Zelda, um, not episodes, installments. I guess it's yeah. installments. Yeah, like I'm a diehard Ocarina of Time fan. Like if you ask me the top game of all time, I'll say Ocarina of Time. Okay. It's just I'm I'm dedicated, uh, and Majora's Mask is a second, but I find that people often don't like Majora's Mask. I find that to be the opposite. Really? Yeah, I find people find like Majora's Mask a lot. I mean, people love Ocarina of Time, but they also really love Majora's Mask because it's so dark. Ooh, not as dark as Twilight Princess, yeah. which was actually dark. Ugh. Dark, dark, dark. <laughs> Such hatred. Yeah. Such hatred for the, uh, let's see, what could Twilight, Twilight Princess, the, uh, the, the Twilologists. Twilologists. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're such a Majoran. <laughs> well, I'm much more of a waker myself. <laughs> uh uh, yeah, so communities. See, even Legend of Zelda, deeply, deeply divided, just like our religious communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think those, like, have communities. Like, there's some sort of, like, weird thing when you meet someone else who, like, hates. It's almost bonding over hatred more than affection. But, like, if you meet someone who likes the same type of Legend of Zelda as you do, it's, like, an instant moment of, like, woo. Or, like, if you find that you, like, share hatred for the similar one. Like, I don't know if you have that when you meet other people who don't like Twilight Princess. They're like, yes, I also, I also <laughs> find that weird. And it's that, like, sense of community. I don't know, like, um, I, I sometimes wonder if that lack of community is what led me to not wanting to be Episcopalian. So Episcopalian is, is a type of, of Christian. <laughs> For those who don't know, mm-hmm. it's a funny sounding one. It's the one whose theme is a Protestant yet Catholic. So basically, I'm not even joking. That's their official slogan. Um, they kept a lot of the Catholic rituals, but are not associated with the Pope or with the Vatican or anything like that. Um, so growing up, I, and I, I love Episcopalians. Like I have an affection for them. I mean, not all of them. Some of them are probably assholes. I don't want to paint with broad strokes here. But, like, the faith itself, I think, is very pretty. I really am grateful for um, all the help they gave to my mom growing up. But there was something about the community, and I don't know if it was, like, my personality and that specific geography or group that I never, I never, like, clicked. Like, I, I loved... The fact that my mom found community there, because my mom had a lot of friends and connections there that really she thrived on as we grew up. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just never, I never, like, wanted to kick it there (laughs) 
with any of the people. Um, I don't know. It was okay. And I, I did the whole church camp thing. I did, like, I was invested. I tried, tried my best, but I, I never really found it. And I think there was such a stark difference when I started working for my first Jewish temple in 2011 when I was teaching um, a course on civic engagement at the Jewish temple for high school students. Yeah. It's like their supplementary high school program. They go to school on Sundays. And I, it was almost, it was super fast, like how quickly I just loved being there. I loved, even though it was like 8 a.m., maybe I didn't love it at the time. But in retrospect, <laughs> I, I really loved it. I loved the people. I loved, we went on um, a lot of trips together. I loved the conversations, like the jokes, all of that stuff. Like I just felt it, it clicked in a way um, that I, I never really had when I was an Episcopalian, like so much so that I got voted, this isn't a humble bragging, but I got voted like teacher of the year, which was funny because I wasn't Jewish then. And I, I just thought the fact that they noticed me and noticed that there was something that I had that they thought was valuable was really meaningful to me. And I don't remember that feeling growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like I, when I left for graduate school, I left Providence, which is where that temple job was. And I, I entered grad school and had a different community, mostly made up of you, <laughs> <laughs> you and my jobs, um, and my work, and so like I kind of took a breather on that, and then after that, you know, I, I worked a few other jobs throughout, you know, in the in the gaming industry and in like education, and then I finally came back to working at a Jewish temple full time, working with their education program and doing their tech stuff, and immediately I had that same that same thing, like I just loved being like around the the people like I just I don't know I loved it I loved the jokes I loved the the questions that were being asked I loved the emphasis on questions I loved the the weird rituals that I probably shouldn't call them weird um they're not weird but they're a little like you don't see them every day like mm. one of the holidays is you hold up like basically a, a palm leaf with a lemon and shake it in like six different directions because God told you to and that's like it's You're not committed. like the the Christmas special you see every year kind of thing. <laughs> no, there's not like a a lulav shaking yeah. um, special <laughs> on uh, Comedy Central. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just really connected with the people, and it, and it actually relates. I'm gonna get into the Torah here, but the the story of Ruth I think is really meaningful for me. She's also in the the Christian Bible, mm-hmm. and she's known as being the first convert. And it's one of those powerful stories because she's not the first convert and the order of things she says when she's converting is like, your people are my people, your God is my God. And it's noticeable that the people comes first. Like before anything else, there's this like connection with the community and the people that precedes even like the belief structure or the, even the ethics to some extent. Although I think the ethics is bound up in the communities that you like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, this probably isn't the case for everyone, I don't want to like speak for anyone who chooses to be a part of anything, whether it's for individual or community reasons. But for me, it really resonated as, as the reason why being, being a Jew, um, felt like the right thing to do. Like I want to, I wanted to spend the rest of my life making bad jokes and eating bagels, which is a stereotype that, um, there is a lot of bagels, but to be fair, I think everyone likes bagels except gluten-free people maybe Mm -hmm. um but they might still love bagels they just can't eat them so kyle i 
not to spoil your story <laughs> for everyone, but uh, you had a similar feeling growing up, but kind of the opposite, where the reason you were involved with your with your childhood religion was because you enjoyed the people that were there. Uh, yeah, so my upbringing, uh, we grew up, I guess, non-denominational, which I don't really know how to explain what it is because non-denominational is such like a vague term. I guess basically it's like, it's Christianity without traditions or anything that ties it down to anything. <laughs> so it's kind of like the most ho-hum, hey, we're Christians and that's it. Like it stops there. It's like, what does that mean? It's like, we follow Christ. Okay, great. So you've boiled down what a Christian is into like one one sentence and then you just go to church on Sunday. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so basically rock bands, whatever, um, loud <laughs> guitars to worship God and drums. Um, but not too loud drums. Got to keep those tame. It's it's an interesting phenomenon to have. Uh, you got a full band rocking out, and then you put the drummer in a glass box. Um, so it's like they're it's like this whole religious ceremony is like they're just being separate from the community, kind of a thing. So it's like we've we've contained the uh, the loud, obnoxious drums that we we're not supposed <laughs> to have, kind of a thing, in this little box. Because every every church that I would go to was like this this drummer in a glass box and it's like you go to concerts you don't see drummers in a glass box it's only at church you know who else sits in a glass box mimes the pope basically your drummers are the most holy like <laughs> you, the holiest say that. yeah or like uh david blaine kind of stuff um but yeah the 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 community was was really important um at that point because it's it was a it was a chance to hang out with people my age outside of school um, which was good growing up we didn't have a lot of people that came over to our house that was our opportunity to go hang out with people our age and like kind of have friends it was a thing over many many years to, to feel like I was a part of this community. And like, once I felt like I was a part of it, it's like, well, yeah, this is where I want to be. This is where, you know, all my friends are. And so it's like, I might as well go here kind of a thing. Um, so it was, I think it was less so about the teaching aspects and more so about just being able to see people that I enjoyed being around. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people think about religion as um, a belief structure and I, and it is, to some extent, but right. I think the thing that that most people really know and remember is how the community made them feel. And I, I feel that way about fandoms. <laughs> also, uh, is is it's a lot about that that community bonding, like feeling like you have somewhere to go where people are excited that you're there. They're like enthusiastic yeah, exactly. about what you have to say. Yeah. Um, like you feel validated as a human, and I and I think it's also over this, and this is a more spiritual component, is like both of these things give so much meaning to to people's lives, right? Like it's this community, wonderful. Like you're being seen, you're being heard, you're being welcomed. Hopefully, and it's most ideal. Like not everyone has that experience with their religious communities, but underneath it also, there's this idea of like there's some sort of meaning behind what you're doing, and I I think people can get that 
from fandoms, and I realize this is a little sacrilegious, maybe, and <laughs> and I, I don't mean it to be, because I, I actually view religions, like, I've studied religion my whole life, I think it's super, like, I love the stories, I love the metaphor, I love the idea of thinking deeply about our place in the world and how to better treat others, um, but I, I think fandoms do a lot of very similar things, like, if you think about all the conversations around like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm going to use this this fandom as an example, people have all the time been arguing about, like, the moments when she's been a good role model, like, the moments when she's really struggled, like, and dealt with some really dark stuff, like, how her relationships with other people have changed over time, in terms of finding these, like, deep meanings and role models that I think a lot of people are really searching for. And, and I think you see that meaning with, like, other people too, right? Like, these fandoms take on this more than community aspect sometimes it's like something that becomes ingrained in giving your life meaning and I I mean that broadly because the meaning can be anything from you know eating a dog biscuit becomes like a moment of (laughs) connecting to other people like that's kind of deep I think like it's a weird random like inane life thing to happen that still connects you with a lot of other people and I think that's important to some people, most people, I think most people want to connect with humans. I don't know. That's. Yeah, I think most. Do. <laughs> I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, I think. Right. I don't know. But yeah, and I, I think some of the issue, and I, I've talked a lot about this with you and, and with people at, at Temple, where the trick, though, with being part of a group is figuring out how to be part of a group in a way that you don't think other groups are worse. Right. Um, And I think we all like to have the idea that we're in the, like the best group. (laughs) We're in the greatest group. Um, We all want to be part of the winning team, whatever that it's very like weirdly sports like. And competitive. And and I would say it's, it's very much like, um, cause you only have so much time in your life. Mm -hmm. So you want to feel that you've made the best decision with your time. Yeah. It's like So it's like to degrade somebody else's choice is to be like, oh, "Okay, cool. I have made this choice, which is good. They have made the worst choice. So I now feel better about myself." I mean, did you ever experience that in terms of like I mean, I definitely struggled with that sentiment growing up in Episcopalian, but did you ever experience that sentiment either in like a fandom that you were a part of where they thought they were better than another fandom. Ooh, or are there any fandoms that you think are just garbage? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there probably are. I don't know, like, off the top of my head. Uh, I, I think um, there's, there's the things that, like, uh, that keep you from, like, identifying as being, like, a part of that fandom. Like, even if, like, you enjoy, like, some game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the people in that group, it's kind of like, I, I don't want to identify (laughs) with these people. Um, that's, um, I think there's that, I think there's that aspect. Uh, so I don't know if there's, there's ones that I think are garbage, but there are ones that it's like, I, I would like to distance myself from, um, and then seeing the majority of content that is like sourced and talked about. it's like. Yeah, I don't think that's, like, the community for me. (laughs) 
Uh, true. True story. Do you ever feel that way about the identity of gamer? This is another... I mean, it, a gamer is, I think, an identity that in theory is supposed to tie to this community of gamers. Um, and I'm curious if that's like an identifier that... If someone gave you a list and said, write down five adjectives to describe yourself, would gamer be one of them? Oh, would I say that I'm a gamer? Yeah. Um... I don't know. Do we want to do the list of like the five things that we would identify and see if it fits in? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm down. Um, so I, th- I think the first one would be um, illustrator. I mean, illustrator slash artist. I would probably do teacher. This number two. Um, oh, that one's new. That's exciting. Yeah, we're doing it too long. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i apologize <laughs> well now i guess gamer because now i can't think of anything else <laughs> i've prepped you this isn't a yeah this isn't a true experiment <laughs> <laughs> it's a setup um foodie oh that one's interesting i'm learning so much about you kyle i know <laughs> just never ask these questions <laughs> This is why we have a podcast, so I can ask you deeply right? personal questions that I should not ask you while we're recording. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh, shoot, how do I say it? Uh, science fiction person? <laughs> Connoisseur. Connoisseur? Can you spell it? You can only say it. You can only use it if you can spell it. Uh, nope. <laughs> so person. <laughs> <laughs> Is that four or five? What if I, um, how about social gamer? You can be as specific as you want. Yeah. Maybe but that, I'm, that would be I'm going to ha- now clarifying. have you define what you mean. <laughs> By social gamer? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would identify it as, uh, so when I look at a game that I find interesting, the absolute next thing that I look at is if it's multiplayer, mm. because I would like to play it with my friends. Okay. It's part of how I hang out with people at this point. So I think that's that's why I would qualify as like a social gamer. It's like, so what I when I play games, I'm usually playing games with my friends. All right, so to recap, we've got illustrator, teacher, social gamer, foodie. <laughs> it's such a weird one. I can't even believe that, that was one of them. Um, and the fifth really? one. Yeah, well, you know, it makes sense now, but it, it just wasn't, I wouldn't have predicted it. And what was the fifth one? Yeah. The fifth one was science fiction person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Very nice. So you would identify as gamer. Oh, comics. Oh, yeah. Illustrator, though. I guess that counts. Yeah, I guess. But, like, I read comics. We always forget about comics. Yeah. Sorry, comics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now mine. This one's hard. Um, so yeah. I think right now, and this is specific to because my job is I work at a Jewish temple, I think Jewish is pretty high up on the list. Um, I would say... I hate that this is second, but academic. And I realize I, <laughs> I graduated a couple of years ago, but 
many of my friends are still in grad school and I still really resonate with the idea of trying to make academic theories like usable in my day-to-day life does that make yeah so like I I love academic theories and I I love them a lot in the ivory tower of academia but I I get a lot of joy out of being an academic like on the streets (laughs) yeah like I I love that I got published in a peer-reviewed journal when I wasn't in school or as a professor I think for me that's that's a big deal because I don't think academic types of things should be limited to um, universities. So those two. Right. Uh, youth worker. I, I don't want to say teacher because I feel like most of the work I do isn't so much teaching as like organizing youth programs and also kind of like holistic development of children. And not to say that teachers don't do that, but I haven't operated like in a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. Like I've definitely operated more in like a club setting where I am doing some teaching, but I, I really think of myself more as a facilitator than a teacher. So someone who right. like facilitates dialogue, which means I'm really good at asking questions, not so good at giving answers. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is I don't want to tell you what to do. I'm going to just ask you questions that make you doubt what you're doing. That's my yep. goal. Um, it's great. <laughs> friendship. We have a great friendship. <laughs> I'm a wonderful person. Um, <laughs> you are a wonderful person. Yeah. So uh, it gets hard for me. So Southerner, I was actually thinking today, inexplicably, the fourth and fifth are both Southerner and Northerner, actually, because I identify as both of those very strongly in equal amounts at different times. <laughs> so I grew up in Western North Carolina, um, and I, I now live in Texas, very Southern. Uh, different kinds of Southern. Um, but I really love it. Like, I love I love living in the South. It's got a lot of problems, but I found that living in the North also had a lot of problems. Um, and I love the fact that my mom's Canadian. I love claiming Canadian. And I feel like it actually does infuse a lot of my family's, like, cultural leanings. Um, sure. Like, when I hang out or meet Canadian relatives, there's, like, a similar sense of, like, oh, I get you. As I feel with Southerners sometimes. I We should definitely do a podcast about the South in games. Especially because there's so many recently that come out that are like dystopian futures set in the South. Yeah. Um, would be crazy fun. Definitely for a conversation. But yeah. I so think part of it is because we've grown tired of seeing New York destroyed <laughs> every goddamn thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's true. Now they were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone hates New York. Even we hate New York. <laughs> <laughs> no one. I'm just kidding. I love New York. My friends who live in New York, I love you. Please listen to Except this podcast. Except that one. Ex- and you know who you are. <laughs> I'm sub podcasting. I'm yeah. subcasting. That's what this is right now. Uh, yeah. So the, those identities. I, I struggle because I also want to say things like I do a lot of advocacy. Um, Currently, especially around, like, refugee advocacy, but I've done other advocacy around, like, racial justice. But I don't think that's very good as an identity. Um, because I, I, I... Anyway, I always struggle with that because I do have a group of people who, like, identify as being advocates, and I think that's great. But 
I think for me that that work goes beyond identity in some sense. And I, I think there's some risk in claiming those as an identity because then it's hard to be really critical about yourself. And not that you should be mean to yourself, but when you're doing any sort of like social justice work, um, you should be self-aware and like willing to accept and receive feedback when maybe it's not good. And I think if I ever claim an identity sure. that is that, I get more like possessive about thinking of myself that way. So I, mm -hmm. I always shy away from, I'm just doing the work. It's not an identity thing. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready and willing. I just work here. I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I will, I will do better. It's basically yeah. kind of how I think about it. But yeah. Are you surprised by any of those? Probably not. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Why are you so much more mysterious than me? Uh, I've built my life around being mysterious. <laughs> Some people think I'm mysterious. Yes. Yes, I would agree. So uh, to tie it back, uh, for me, the answer is yes. And for you, the answer is no. In terms of uh, qualifying gamer as like a, a description of ourselves. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> brain brain not doing yeah i mean is there <laughs> so you feel cool i guess you know a lot of like cool gamer pals yeah I i've got um a pretty good community it's it's very small but like a pretty good community of people that play games yeah i think i mean i, I don't i mean i have you <laughs> <laughs> and I have my my friend Morgan who is getting his PhD right now in game studies, um, and I have some academic. But I think that my friends that I know that talk about games, um, academics is higher up on the list of the communities that we share, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I think that acad like academic became front and center versus like the act of gaming um i think also just being a woman in like the gaming universe can be stressful um sure. not all the time but it, it is harder to find like a chill community that's like doesn't stress me out um mm -hmm. also gaming's like a super and this is another podcast episode so maybe we can leave it as like a teaser of like another topic one day i'd like to talk about but, like gaming for me has always been really private Yep, um, and that I have that on the list of things yes. that we can talk about. Yes, yeah, because yeah. for me it's always been, and not not even because sometimes being a woman on the internet is stressful, but just my history. I, I really like games mm -hmm. by myself, except with you. I like talking about games and playing games with you. So, heart. Mm -hmm. Heart, Jif. I break down those barriers. <laughs> Everyone likes playing games with Kyle. <laughs> you got a YouTube channel. You got mm -hmm. a podcast feature. Someday I'll work on my car. <laughs> you should all go check out. I'm sorry, Jake. <laughs> if you're listening, we love you. Yeah. Um, but if, if you all get a chance, speaking of, of comics, you should go check out Kyle's comics, um, The Possession of Jonah Turner and ghosts is it ghost in space or ghosts in space yeah multiple okay. ghosts in Thank space you. multiple ghosts in space but leave out the multiple yeah. when you're googling it um mm -hmm. 
but yeah, I mean, Kyle, do you have any, any parting thoughts? Um, devotion. That was the answer <laughs> to this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good, I, I, I think a good question people should ask themselves is what are they devoted to? And what does that devotion mean in terms of their relationships with people who aren't devoted to that same thing? Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us for this much more somber. At least we didn't talk about stuff we hated today. We're doing great. <laughs> today we talked about stuff we liked, but with like a, a somber or macabre. What did we discuss? Yeah. Macabre. <laughs> macabre undertone of like moral imperative. Um, so next time we should just talk about things that make us happy. Is that a thing? Does that exist? Happiness? <laughs> I don't know. I've heard about it. <laughs> I've heard about it in stories. Thanks for joining us for another for episode one of Gaming Broadcast. This is Jamie Dale from Gaming Broadly saying saying goodbye. And this is Kyle, not of Gaming Broadly, also saying goodbye. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, maybe give us a positive review. It it helps. Oh yeah, it does. Tell your friends. Yeah. Um, share it on on the tweeter. <laughs> have a good uh, a good whatever part of the day you have left to enjoy, and we'll see you next time. I'm also still figuring out how to set up my microphone. <laughs> Did I tell you that I I, uh, I just figured out how to attach my pop filter to my mic stand today? No, that's, a, after, that's adorable. After having it for a year so, or so? So you've been operating popless? No, 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 no. I've had it. Um, I've attached it to different objects um, because I didn't know that I could attach it to uh, the arm. It's adorable. You um, were basically solving a problem that didn't exist yeah yeah uh I mean, on on some of my previous things i i attached it to my sketchbook and then weighed down my sketchbook so it wouldn't fall over and that was my solution <laughs> so it just like would be held up by that and like would sit in front of my microphone but now now it's on my my mic stand so adorable